Please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to fall upon this place and to fall upon each one of us that we may be transformed, Father, more and more into the image of your Son, that you may allow your faith, the gift of faith, Father, to fill us to the brim, to fill us to overflowing. And it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. My name is Jeff Smead. I'm canon to the ordinary for the diocese, Anglican Diocese of the Great Lakes, and I travel substantially over all the four states, and we do have a church up in Rochester also I've been to. Uh, but it's a blessing to be with you again. I was here last week and was able to sit and enjoy worshiping together with you. My text will be from Romans today. I begin most of my messages with a story. A single traveler had hiked for many miles across the desert. His water supply was gone and he knew if he didn't find water soon, he would surely die. In the distance, he saw what looked like an abandoned cabin. And when he arrived, he discovered an old rusty pump near the back door. Then he noticed a tin can tied to the pump with a note inside the can. The note had the following inscription. Dear Stranger, the well has never gone dry, but the pump needs primed in order to bring up the water. Under the white rock, I buried a jar of water away from the sun. There's just enough water to prime the pump. Pour half of it in the pump to wet the leather. Wait then pour in the rest of the water and begin to pump. When you are finished, please fill the jar and put it back where you found it to quench the thirst of the next traveler who may come this way. The note ended with these words, Have faith and believe. Beloved, if you were the desperate traveler in the desert, what would you do? Would you dig up the water jar from the sand and just drink it? Or will you have faith and believe? And in believing, follow the directions and pour every last drop into the pump. Will you take the risk, both for yourself and for the next weary traveler that may pass that way? What would you do? 
The story possesses an interesting question for each of us. Do you believe? Do you trust? Do you have faith? Faith to act on that which is written. Now, much in the same way, God has laid before us a written note, <laughs> a note we call the Holy Scriptures. There are words, words of salvation, words of life, words of living water, words to quench the thirst of our souls in this desert we call life. They are the source of life. They point to eternal life. Eternal life that is, we know is only found in Jesus Himself. A living water from which we will thirst no more. Beloved, in our short text in Romans today, it states the words of faith four times. Hear God's word. The promise of Abraham comes through the righteousness of faith. If our salvation comes through the law, then faith is null and void. That is why it is the promise of God depends on faith, and to the one who shares the faith of Abraham. The question is, do you believe God's Word? Do you really believe God's Word? Do you obey His commandments? I struggle with some. But they're not confusing. They're very clear. One comes to mind. Jesus says, go into your room, close the door, and pray. Is it complicated? Go into your room, close the door, and pray. Yet the world pulls us in so many directions. So, do we have faith in God's Word? Are we ready to act on that faith? Or do you find yourself thinking only about yourself, about your feelings? You ever catch yourself saying, well, if they would only do that, I would feel better. Or, have you ever said, I, what do you feel like eating? We need to choose. We're men and women of the cross. We don't work on our emotions. We're stronger than that. We're called to be above our emotions and in charge of our feelings and not driven by them. Jesus is our salvation. 
is the source of life on both sides of eternity. Do you have faith in Him and believe in His Word? We're called to believe and to act on this faith. Everyone, each of us, expresses faith daily in something. When you rise up in the morning and you go into the bathroom and you flip the switch, you have faith that it will work. When you enter the car, you turn the key, you have faith that it will start. When you mail a letter, you have faith that the postal system will deliver it to the right address someday. Every time we walk into a building, you're expressing faith. Faith in the architect and faith in the builders. In each instance, there's an action to substantiate your faith. You flip a switch, you turn a key, you mail a letter, you walk into a building. The measure of our faith isn't saying it. It's not in our talk. It's in what we do. It's not what we say. It's what we do. I believe this chair can hold my weight. This is faith. This is faith. Faith always requires action. Christian faith always requires action. Faith is never something to just proclaim. I have faith. It needs to be demonstrated. It's demonstrated in the way that we act. In the way that we live our life. The great radio commentator Paul Harvey once said, If you don't live it, you don't really believe it. And there's a biblical basis for that statement. Hear God's word from James. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Believing is one thing. But do you have faith, apostolic action faith? Now maybe instead of faith, we should call it faithing. The word translated faith in the Greek is a verb that requires action. It requires it.
And this faithing is experienced in the spiritual realm. The difference between the faithing we exercise in our daily routine in the world and spiritual faithing is the object of our faith. Everyone places their faith in something or in someone. And the truth is, your faith, my faith, everyone in the world's faith is as good as the object or the person, the ideal in which they place their faith. The scriptures are clear that we as believers, as followers of the Christ, should place our faith, our trust in the spiritual ideal, the eternal ideal of Jesus. Hear God's word from Acts. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The writer of Hebrews also portrays what biblical faith looks like. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. True faith brings forth confidence obedience to God's word. Despite life's circumstances, despite your feelings, despite your emotions, faith is described in a twofold way. It is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the acting foundation that gives a believer the confidence to stand firm in their faith. Confidence to stand firm in their faithing. Beloved, the Holy Spirit is the wind in our sails. It's the indwelling presence of God enabling us to live a life of faithing. If we proceed under our own strength, under our own wind, under our own efforts, in the end, we will fail. There's a transforming power. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And it's faith, action faith, that is the key to unlocking that spiritual power. And to receive that transforming power, we must open ourselves to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in and through faith. And for a follower of Christ, faith shouldn't be spelled F-A-I-T-H. It should be spelled R-I-S-K, risk. For if it's not a risk, then it really doesn't require much faith.
And the scriptures are clear. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. A risk-free life is a faithless life. A risk-free life is a victory-free life. It means a lifelong surrender to the mediocre, which in a way is the worst of all defeats. You may be asking, where does that faith come from? Well, thank you for asking. First, this faith can't be earned. It's a gift of God. Paul clarifies how faith comes to us in his letter to the believers. He's written this to the believers gathered in Rome. Hear God's promise. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. I'm going to take you a little deeper today. I hope that's okay. This is meat. That was milk. There are two Greek words, translated word in the scriptures. The two Greek words are logos and rema. And of course, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, encompasses both logos and rema. Though at times the two Greek words are interchanged, generally, Logos describes the general word, the general knowledge of God. Throughout the scriptures, you can receive knowledge, the knowledge you need concerning God and his promises. The scriptures are precious. They're the written word. And it's important, extremely important, to be a part of our life. And we're called to read, learn, and inwardly digest the written scriptures. In the passage, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, the Greek word is not logos. It's rhema. Faith specifically comes by hearing the rhema of God. Rhema, in a way, is the faithing word of God. That is, God giving a specific word to a specific person for a specific situation. Faith comes by rhema. And the writer of Hebrews informs us that without faith, 
it's impossible to please him. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. And without rhema, it's impossible to please him. Peter never walked on the water because of logos, because of a general knowledge of the word of God. No, Peter required that Christ give him a specific word. Remember, Peter said, asked actually, Lord, if you are Jesus, command me to come. And Jesus replied with Rhema, Come, Peter. The word Christ gave to Peter was Rhema. The word Christ gave brought what? Action, faith. Peter stepped out of the boat. It brought forth faithing. Peter walked on the water because of Rhema. He received a specific word from the Lord. And that's how Rhema happens to many Christians today. They may be with another Christian or with another person and the Holy Spirit gives them something to say, which will require an action. Speaking is an action. Yet another way that many experience Rhema is from the Scriptures. We're told the Scriptures are alive. Of all the books in the Library of Congress, this is the only one that's alive. Have you ever read the Scriptures and the words just jumped off the page into your spirit? When the words quicken your heart? Or other times, this has happened to me numerous times, have you read the Scriptures and been enlightened and said, I never saw that before. It's alive. It will meet you where you are and take you deeper and deeper. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit quickens the Scriptures into your heart and Logos now becomes Rhema. If you are not meditating on God's Word, if you're not spending time and waiting on the Lord, you need to. And He will give you Rhema. He can't quicken the scriptures if you're not reading them. He can't enlighten you from his word. It's through action faith, through faithing that we mature and grow. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. It is time. It is time for us as Christians to break free of being mediocre, of being stationary, 
of being content, rowing in our comfortable boat, and not growing in the faith. You cannot walk on the water if you don't get out of the boat. I have visited many churches, many denominations. I can tell you Satan and his army are a pre present reality in our lives, whether you believe it or not. We are engaged in a spiritual war, a serious battle. Paul told young Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. And beloved, the spiritual war we are involved in is that good fight. Are you prepared for the battle? Satan and his army are scattering and destroying and Jesus is gathering his own for the battle from numerous denominations. Are you covered with the armor of God? Are you involved in building the kingdom? Are you showing unexpected grace with others? You cannot be neutral in this war. Faith requires us to trust. Trust in Jesus and trust in His Word. Faith requires us to take action. To R-I-S-K. If we don't trust God, well, it's as if we didn't prime the pump and we just drank the jar of water. We are all a traveler, a traveler on this island in the universe called Earth. You come across a note, a book, with 66 other books in it. As you read it, you see the spiritual truths that lie within. God gives you the assurance, the strength, the conviction to live life and to live life to the fullest. But the words also ask you to surrender yourself. To surrender yourself to the one you call your Lord. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Each of us daily expresses faith in something. You flip a switch, you turn the key, you mail the letter, you walk into the building. Each instance there's an action to substantiate your faith. Beloved, today is the day of salvation. As a pastor, for many years, I find that many people seek a Savior, yet they don't want anyone, including Jesus, to be their Lord. Yet the Scriptures are so clear, we know these words. 
if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's time. Beloved, it's time to be mature in the faith, to be men and women of faithing for our Lord, showering unexpected grace on those that God places in your life. And when you accept Him, you're a new creation. You have a new destiny, a new identity, and praise God, a new eternity. If you haven't accepted Him, if you don't know Him as your Savior and Lord, then step out in faith and faithing and receive Him this day. If you have received Jesus, if He is your Savior and Lord, then I ask you to do, and I ask me, to continually empty ourselves of ourselves so He can fill us to the brim as He did the water jars at Cana. Before we come to the Lord's table today, we will each have an opportunity to confess before God what we believe as a people in the words of the Nicene Creed. It's my prayer that you just don't repeat them for repeat's sake, but you proclaim them boldly in faithing and confess them in your heart. Amen.